Hi, it's Mina Kimes, host of the ESPN Daily Podcast. Wake up to the best story you'll hear all day. 20 minutes a day, five days a week, where you get an inside look at the most interesting stories at ESPN, as told by the top reporters and insiders on the planet. The breaking news of Sports Center with a deep dive storytelling of 30 for 30. Today's episode is one I thought you'd especially like. Please listen and subscribe to ESPN Daily wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Before we start, a quick heads up. Today's show is about mental health and includes a story of suicide. Thank you for listening. Play action for Holinsky. He's going to take a deep shot down the sideline. He drops it in perfectly. Brian Edwards. That's a touchdown for the Gamecocks. That's South Carolina freshman quarterback Ryan Holinsky helping the Gamecocks pull off a massive upset of then number three ranked Georgia earlier this year. He has a chance to do it again this Saturday when they host current number three Clemson. But the most remarkable part of this season might be that Holinsky is playing football at all. Shock and grief after the apparent suicide of quarterback Tyler Holinsky. Tyler Holinsky was Ryan's older brother and a rising star in college football. Today, the family recounts their search for answers and their decision to stick with the sport after unspeakable tragedy. I'm Mina Kimes. It's Tuesday, November 26th. This is ESPN Daily, presented by Indeed. I think hope plays an enormous role in this family's recovery and healing. ESPN's Jen Lada recently interviewed the Holinsky family for E60. They are a football family. Mark, the father of the family, is an entrepreneur, and Kim, the, their mother, is a lawyer. But their family was always drawn to sports. They have three boys, Kelly, Tyler, and Ryan, who all played sports as kids. And Kelly naturally gravitated to the quarterback position. And as is often the case with siblings, then Tyler gravitated to that position as well. And then Ryan did as well. Tell me about Tyler Holinsky. What was he like? When we talked to Mark and Kim Holinsky, they described Tyler as a very happy child, really not challenging, not difficult, kind of go with the flow. How did they get along? best friends. Are you guys pals? Why? Because we're brothers. A really good athlete all around, a leader on his high school football team. There's this word I use, I I call it a gamer. And I keep using it to describe Tyler, but he always had this way of winning. Highly recruited, decides to go to Washington State. No expectation of being the starter right away there. And then the team ends up struggling a little bit, and they go to Tyler Holinsky, who is the backup quarterback. Well, what now is a new quarterback? Uh, There's Tyler Holinsky, the redshirt sophomore from Claremont, California. So that was September 2017 in Pullman, Washington. It's actually this incredible game versus Boise State. Kim, Tyler's mom, was in the stands watching it. I remember Mark texting me and asking me, what's he doing? It looks like he's going in. Oh, my gosh. It was on national television. Washington State was down. Boise State leads by three touchdowns. They were able to come back to push it to overtime. He's had a good drive here. Airs it out. Washington State. And Holinsky has led Washington State back. Tyler Holinsky is leading the charge out there. Touchdown could win it. 
Helinski has time. Pass complete. Morrow gets away from a defender. Morrow to the end zone. Touchdown. Washington State has a comeback for the ages. The crowd storms the field, and Tyler is lifted up on their shoulders, and it just looks like the epitome of what any collegiate player would hope for. Uh, I mean, shoot, I was just playing football out there, uh, surrounded by a great group of guys. Just told me they had faith in me. I was just ready to do my job. From the outside, it kind of looks like Tyler Linsky at this point has it all, right? Yeah, I think it really does, especially when you're looking at somebody peripherally. And we do this a lot with with athletes where we think because they're having an enormous amount of success, it means that they are supremely fulfilled or just happy in their space. Um, but it's startling how soon all of this starts to unravel. After that point, Tyler starts in two more games, including a blowout loss in their bowl game. What happened next? January 16th, 2018, he was back on campus in Pullman, and the team had gathered for an off-season workout, and Tyler Helinski wasn't there. And that was unusual for Tyler because he was reliable. He was the guy that people turned to, the guy who would bring other people into his success. So... That immediately set off alarm bells for people in the program. They reached out to Mark and Kim Holinsky to let them know that Tyler hadn't shown up. And his parents had the same reaction, that that was unusual, that that wasn't like Tyler. He said, hey, uh, Tyler's, Tyler missed practice today. Well, that's, well, he missed practice? What do you mean? Is he hurt? The next thing came out was, hey, um, we're doing a wellness check on his apartment and we're filing a missing persons report. Two of his teammates then went to the door of his old apartment, ended up kicking down the door, and when they searched the apartment, that's when they found Tyler Helinski's body in one of the closets. Tyler had shot himself with a gun that he had stolen from a friend a few days prior. All I remember is Coach Huff calling me and telling me that Tata was no longer with us. And uh, I remember thinking, this is not true. I don't even, how is that even, how is that even possible? And I, I think I lost it after that a little bit. I, um... I remember not being able to breathe. I didn't want to, I don't really want to believe it, you know. There were no drugs or substances in Tyler's system. In fact, when they scrubbed his phone, there was no indication that he had been looking into self-harm methods until the morning that he actually shot himself. It was incomprehensible. There's just zero chance Tyler could have done this. And you just start replaying it and dealing with the fact that he did. You know, how long was he sick? How long was he hurting? How he cry himself to sleep every night? Every time I picked him up, he was so happy. He was so excited. You know, right before the car pulled up, was he going, okay, 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 okay. 
big smile, big smile. He did leave a suicide note. The family has kept the specific contents of that to themselves, but they tell us that it offered no clues as to why he felt the need to take his own life. I thought to myself, my son killed himself. He couldn't have been in his a healthy mind. Something had to be wrong. At what point does the family decide in their quest for answers to look at his brain? Immediately. There's just this desperate craving of information. One of the decisions we had to make was agreeing to have Tyler's brain sent to the Mayo Clinic. Um, and of course, that was an absolute yes. You know, of course, we'd want to have his, his brain autopsied. We got the results. And the letter described Tyler as having stage one CTE. CTE, the, the brain disease caused by repeated head trauma. That's correct. And then to find out that a sport that my sons loved may have contributed to him having CTE, it just, it just rips at you. This is a family who, when presented with the fact that their middle son had stage one CTE, poured over research, spoke to every professional expert, people who have, you know, are in that field, trying to make a connection between the stage one CTE that Tyler did show on his brain and the fact that he died by suicide. And they had a very difficult time finding conclusive evidence that there was a causation there. It's not clear at all that CT had something to do with Tyler's death. Would it, could it have affected? Sure. We can't definitively say either way. My question today still, Kim's less so, but is why? What happened? Why is he gone? And, um, and nobody knows that but Tyler. Mark shares with us this just heartbreaking recollection where he's trying to make sense of this whole thing. And he says, I know this. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have hurt his brothers or his mom or me. And so I don't believe he had a choice. His brain betrayed him. Why, I don't know. Coming up, the Holinsky family faces an agonizing decision about Ryan's future in football. Jen, what strikes me about this story is the Holinskys just had this terrible revelation that their son Tyler was suffering from the initial stages of CTE. Meanwhile, their youngest son, Ryan, who's a high school senior in California, is about to play quarterback for his school's football team. 
And I think, Mina, that detailed is what drew us to the Holinsky story because it wasn't so cut and dry. They also have a younger child who is still not only so involved in the sport, but he's incredibly talented. He's exceptional at it. He's one of the top quarterback recruits in the country. We gave him every single fact we could, every single opinion we could. We had him meet with people. There's so many good things that come out of playing football and playing that sport. And we had this big argument, everything, pros, cons, everything laid out. Ryan, your brother had CD. Do you want to keep playing football? Ryan struggled with this question as well. I went through all of it. It scared me a little bit. I thought to myself, well, it's got some risk, of course. You know, do I really want to do that? Kim tells us the story of how when Ryan was still debating whether or not to continue in the sport, Ryan was being recruited by a number of SEC schools. We took something that we called the SEC road trip. We started out at Ole Miss. We went over to Georgia, Tennessee. He would sleep in the back while Mark and I would cry in the front seats. We needed to support him, and we did. We're talking about a family that was so deeply invested in football. The sense of normalcy that football provided for them actually served as a cathartic distraction for what they were dealing with with regards to Tyler's death. What made me and Tyler happiest, and that was football. When going onto that field on a Friday, Saturday night, we were happy. And so he felt like it would be impossible to sacrifice that going forward. It's a very human reaction to kind of crave those spaces where we feel closest to people that we've lost. And there was no place where he felt his brother than on the football field. So after Tyler's death, Ryan's still in high school. He's going into his senior year and he's decided to continue playing. What was it like when he stepped on a football field? for the first time. It was emotional. It was moving. When he threw the first touchdown of the season, he says he broke down. I just lost it. I just started crying. I hadn't broke down since Tyler had passed. I hadn't truly cried since he had passed. And I think when I was on that field that night, I threw that touchdown. Tyler was like, hey, you're good. Like, you can, you can let it out. You're okay. You see in the video him break down, come to the sideline. Mark and Kim and Ryan are in an embrace. And you just feel for this family who, you know, from January to August, when they're first starting football again, they've just been through the ringer. Ryan Holinsky eventually decides on South Carolina for college. A week one injury to senior Jake Bentley this year elevates him to be the starting quarterback as a freshman. Here come the Gamecocks and number three, the freshman quarterback, leading them out of the tunnel. They had a big upset against Georgia. Unbelievable! South Carolina wins! Since then, it's been an up and down season. But throughout it all, Ryan's been outspoken about removing the stigma 
from mental health issues for athletes and others. He's even said his DMs are open to anyone who might be struggling. And his parents, Mark and Kim, in honor of Tyler, they've started a foundation called Holinsky's Hope. They've traveled around talking to players and coaches. Just know that you all mean so much to people in your lives. Please take the time to take care of yourself. They talk about the pressure on young athletes and how it's okay to ask for help if things get hard. Tyler know where he could go to get help? Yeah. Was he ashamed to do it? Maybe. Was he embarrassed or worried what everybody would think? Afraid of losing his job? Possibly. South Carolina fans have supported the cause. There was a viral push for the fans in the stands to hold up the number three during the very first play of the third quarter. And now we're set for the start of the third quarter and Ryan Olinsky and all the fans at williams Bryce Stadium with the three fingers up in honor of his late brother. Three being the number that Tyler Holinsky wore at Washington State, the number that Ryan Holinsky now wears at South Carolina. It was all about awareness and, and making sure that people you know, know not only about Holinsky's hope, but know about what Ryan has been through. And if they're in a space where they are struggling, that there are resources available for them to get help. And you're seeing that kind of with social media's assistance pushes at other games. And a tribute to Helinski's Hope holding up the number three as the third quarter gets underway. It was a big day for Ryan and certainly a big day for his parents. Dawn has found them in the stands. I have found an emotional day too for the Helinski family. What were your feelings right at kick? I couldn't believe it when Ryan ran on the field. I said, let's go, Tyler. And I caught myself a, a bit. But I think they were both out there on the field today, right? It was Ryan and Tyler, and, and Tyler was his angel on the field. When you hear the word hope, what comes to mind? The next sunrise is what I think of. Sometimes people decide, you know what, I don't want to see the next sunrise. I think hope is just being able to wake up and smile. If you or a loved one are having suicidal thoughts or you need emotional support, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. I'll be back with one more story. Here's another story I want you to know. One of the most positive things to happen in sports over the last few years has been the rise in openness. Athletes are speaking candidly about their lives, their views, their fears, their hopes, and increasingly about their mental health. One of those athletes is Brandon Brooks. On Sunday, the Eagles guard, who's one of the best to play the position, left the team's game against Seattle in the first quarter. 
A day later, he posted an explanation on Twitter, citing intense nausea and vomiting. He added, Make no mistake, I'm not ashamed or embarrassed by this nor what I go through daily. This, for Brooks, is anxiety. He's been open about his condition in the past, and head coach Doug Peterson discussed what happened on WIP in Philadelphia. This is a real-life issue. This is not a football issue with Brandon. This is a real-life issue that he has come out and and publicly acknowledged and, and kind of shared his story a few years back, and, and it's something that uh, he's dealing with each and every day of his life, and, and, and you never really know what triggers it. I remember when Brooks first opened up about his anxiety back in 2016. He had missed a few games because of severe nausea. And after he found out what was going on, he stood in front of his locker and he talked about it. At the time, it struck me as remarkable, an athlete being so candid about his mental struggles. But now, it's becoming the norm. Players are better at opening up and sharing. Coaches are better at listening. And fans were better off because of it. I'm Mina Kimes, and this has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.